Welcome to the greatest discovery. It's a Star Trek Discovery podcast from the makers of the greatest generation. I am Adam Pranica. I'm Ben Harrison. Good evening, Ben. <laughs> Is it evening where you are? <laughs> I just I thought I'd be a little formal with you. Oh, that's sweet. Uh, this is the first thing we're recording in the aftermath of our two live shows in Texas. Right. Uh, I don't have a great sense of how much fans of The Greatest Discovery... Like, do you, it's not a total circle with fans of The Greatest Generation, right? It's a, it's a bit of a Venn diagram. Uh, in what way do you mean circle? Like time is a flat circle? Sure. <laughs> the more... I meet and interact with the viewers of our programming. The less I, the less confident I am that I have a picture of them at all. Like they, <laughs> they continue to surprise and delight. They confound every, every expectation. And um, yeah, so I, I, I mean, all that is to say, uh, I don't know if uh, people that listen to the Greatest Discovery would necessarily think of us as a tourable act, but we have mm. been touring. With our uh, our new live show, Greatest Gen Con. And uh, we are going to be touring it for like seven months. Right. Chances are decent that we're going to be coming fairly close to you if you live in the U.S. or Canada. So uh, go to greatestgencon.com if you want to see about getting tickets to a show. We had so much fun in Austin and Dallas, Texas. Yeah, we really did. Uh, so much so that I can't wait to get back out and keep doing shows, which is not a feeling I've had uh, after doing shows before or doing tours before. I think a big part of it may just be getting used to the idea of doing the show live. I think it's the, it may be the sort of thing that, uh, that it takes reps to to feel great about like i know we did great shows for our previous tours yeah we were told we did great shows for our previous tours but like to feel that way inside mm -hmm. uh it's a different it's a different thing so as someone who is not used to feeling good about anything i've done <laughs> uh, this is a it's a new feeling for me <laughs> it's the uh that good feeling is probably mostly uh due to your hard work man and, no. uh, and your quality of joke I felt great about the show as a collaboration. One of the things that, that we did with this tour might act as a nice uh, transition into Star Trek Discovery pre-production, which is we took a lot more time to pre-produce this live show than we have in tours past. And how would you describe how that process worked for you and how that translated into quality of live show? There was like a kind of a writer's room feeling uh, yeah. a couple of times where like you would toss out like a joke premise and we would we would kind of rally it back and forth until we had something with an arc and with beats and tags right. and stuff. And that was uh, something that happened organically on stage in previous tours. But uh, it felt cool to like think of a joke, develop it. And then go do it on stage and see that it worked, you know? 
it's a totally different kind of satisfaction than than the improvisational kind, you know, which is how we do the podcast show. Like yeah. that is, that's all improvised. We're not pre-producing that at all. Yeah. It felt good to craft something together and then present it and have things work in that way. Right. Yeah. I think um, all of that goes to say like we would be just a great addition to <laughs> a writer's room <laughs> or even just good people to blow out of a, an airlock or, you know, out of the hull of a ship when an explosion happens or, you know, just something like that. You know, if you happen to be producing a television show where that might happen. If uh, if someone has brandished a gore-based weapon <laughs> and you're looking for someone unimportant to experiment it on, <laughs> yeah. uh, portrayed by someone who is fine being covered in stage blood. Yeah. Somebody who looks a little bit awkward in their Starfleet uniform, but it doesn't matter because they're not going to be on screen that long anyways. <laughs> Yeah, uh, a medium tailored garment, I would say. <laughs> yeah, you you had it on the rack. You uh, you you put a couple of uh, binder clips on the back to tighten it That's up in a couple need. places. <laughs> yeah, uh, there has been some news about Star Trek Discovery, Adam. Do uh, you want to get into some some show meat? Yeah, let's do that. We have engaged the Klingons. Part of what we do during the off-season of this show is talk about ideas and, and share predictions of what the show will be. Conversely, what people who actually work on the show do is go to things like conventions and then tease what they're able to say about the upcoming season or just obliquely talk about other subjects that are tangentially related to the subject at hand, which would be the show. This kind of takes the form of marketing for the next season or whatever. Hey, you're listening to The Greatest Discovery. This is Mary Wiseman, Cadet Tilly, and Captain Kelly. It's got to be so hard to do this, like to do paneling like they do, and to do uh, junkets, and to get asked questions, and to be made to pivot out of most questions. It's got to be really hard because you don't want to be the person that blows it, right? If you say a name on accident... Like, there's no cramming that back in the cat basket. Like, it's yeah. it's done. It seems like the people that work on this show are good people that like each other. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, like, you see them, like, taking selfies in the back of their 16-pass vans on the way to set. But like any job, like, you don't really pick your coworkers. And right. if you are... Like, imagine if if you had just, like, a regular office job, but then had to go sit in front of 2,000 people, including the press, and, like, talk about how your office job is going, <laughs> and, 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 like, never say anything that your boss isn't going to get mad about. That sounds impossible. And, and you have to do it with people that have not been selected by you. Like, you don't necessarily have any strong reason to trust or, uh, you know, to trust them or to, like, hope that they'll not throw you under the bus, right? An interview with an HR professional can often feel that way. (laughs) I'm just going to pressure you to sign up for LinkedIn. Right. What would you say you do here? (laughs) Did I ever tell you about the time I interviewed for a job uh, directing videos for Bloomberg.com? And I think it was the second round interview 
the HR guy spent 20 minutes of a 45-minute phone interview telling me how I should be spending more time connecting with people on LinkedIn. Oh, no. (laughs) That is awful. I'm so fucking glad I didn't work there. (laughs) When a company or a brand tells me how I should best utilize my social media presence, like, thanks, actually. I'll take it from here. (laughs) Um, So there was this Vulture Fest. They got a great panel together, it sounds like. Uh, We're looking at Gretchen J. Berg, one of the showrunners, and then... Uh, Sonequa Martin-Green, Michelle Yeoh, Mary Chieffo, and the great friend of the show, Mary Wiseman. And uh, they talked about a lot of stuff. We've done that Toronto to New York trip. That's like, uh, that's what they did here. Yeah. It's just a quick jaunt. Yeah, although we stopped in Boston the time we did it together. Yeah, I, I would recommend that uh, this group of people stop in Boston also. Yeah, we might uh, we might stop in Boston. I mean, I don't want to announce anything I can't announce yet, but... That's the plan. We're trying. Yeah, what a great gang. Yeah. All smiles. It's interesting to hear them talk about, like, tying up canon. Like, more than anything else that it's been criticized about, it's been criticized about being, like, outside of established canon. Like, why aren't there... Why isn't everything made out of crappy fiberglass and primary colors like TOS if it takes place in the same era? And, like, now the next season it'll be it'll start to be kind of overlapping in the timeline with TOS Th- that stuff is uh is hard to reconcile for a certain kind of fan like like they want each era to look correct no matter when the television show about it is being made the thing that is difficult for me to reconcile is that this is a box that they're writing to and so they're not giving themselves room to succeed because it, this timeline is happening so soon before TOS that what if season two is doubly amazing and then three and then four after that? Like eventually you're going to run into the end of the timeline and the beginning of TOS and how interested are they in in doing a sidecar story to that in the way that DS9 was a sidecar uh, timeline-wise for TNG. To me, like, the the fun of writing a future Star Trek series is is the bet that if you're good, you can keep writing and writing and writing. And, and for some reason, the thing I can't get out of my head is like, how long is this show going to be? Is this going to be four seasons and they're out because that's the finish line, timeline-wise? I think that TNG was written in a way that kind of gave room for big stories to be happening alongside it i'm not as fluent in tos as i am tng i wonder does anybody care about anything happening not on the entrepreneur in tos but uh i mean like that is that's gonna be something they have to deal with specifically in this series right they've got the pike enterprise and there's been some interesting stuff about whether zachary quinto could even portray Spock because it's basically been all but said that Spock is going to be in season two in some way. Like Frakes uh, has sort of implied it. I think, I think Gretchen Berg has sort of implied it, but like Quinto is part of the Viacom part of the Star Trek property and Discovery is part of the CBS part 
of the Star Trek property and their companies that are not on great terms right now. <laughs> yeah, it's too bad that uh, that a contractual argument could be the thing that holds up some really cool casting. Here's the thing, though, like, if yes or no, do you want that to happen? I have, I have a lot of different feelings about it. I think that Quinto as Spock is one of the great things about the reboot. Yeah. Series. Like, I think he is a fabulous actor. I think he inhabits the role really well. He really, like, makes it his own while also honoring what Nimoy did with it. And he's a bankable actor, you know? Like, if I think that they would have a lot of excitement on their hands if it came out that there were going to be some Quinto things in season two. Do you think it's unnecessarily confusing to to cast Spock as Quinto and cast someone else as that era's Kirk and not Chris Pine, for example, or Simon Pegg or Carl Urban. Like, yeah. if you bring back one, I would argue that you bring back none of the other characters at all to right. muddle the casting of that <laughs> if you were to do so. Or, or you're able to cast them all for some reason, but I don't think you could. I don't think you could for budgetary reasons, probably, right. most of all. Like, the, the kinds of paychecks those guys demand are probably pretty out of control. This is not something that they would do for exposure. No. Um, the other part of that Viacom CBS stuff is that Nicholas Meyer was apparently working on a trilogy of con movies. Did you read this? Uh, I heard that he was working on a trilogy, but I didn't know that they were con-related. Tell yeah. me more about that. I know not much more than he was working on a a trilogy of con films that was uh, put on hold indefinitely because of some of this like contractual squabbling. One of them is just a reality TV show. It's like The Office on SETI Alpha 5. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, we got to eat are these fucking bugs. <laughs> it sucks. Joaquin's the Dwight of that show, right? There's there's a, a Bubba-like character from Forrest Gump that has a totally inexhaustible list of different ways to prepare SETI eels. God, you want to low and slow the SETI eel, right? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. That's a tough... There's a lot of... Uh, that cartilage is going to take a long time to break down. A lot of cartilage, a lot of collagen. You want it to... <laughs> You like kind of a tartine texture by the time you're done. <laughs> so you can go with a smoker, but I would recommend a sous vide. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Bag those bugs. <laughs> bag them up. I like the way you work it, Adam. Three series, all of them about Khan. Say the office colon Khan was one of them. Are the other two series also about Khan or are they Khan timeline adjacent? What? How do you think that would happen? How do you make three series about the same character? Well, let's see. Here we go. I'm reading from ScreenRant.com. About a year ago, Meyer revealed he was also working on a new Star Trek project separate from Discovery. Didn't offer details, giving rise to rumors that he was working on a limited series about Khan, Noonien, Singh. Meyer has now confirmed that the Star Trek pre project in question is meant for CBS all all access, but has been put on hold until further notice. So I, I guess the why. the con stuff is more rumor than actual mm. confirmed truth. God, you know, initially I was like, Ricardo Montalban is so larger than life as that role. How do you replace him? But then, like, this is the same show that uh, cast a different Kirk. Yeah. 
So, like, if any show can do it, it's this one. Yeah, what did you think about the con in uh, Star Trek Into Darkness? This is not anti-Cumberbatch, <laughs> but, I, but I did not like him or his portrayal in the film. I think Benedict Cumberbatch is great in a lot of things, but I think my issue with that film was just not liking the story of that film. Yeah, the story was bad. We were condemned as criminals forced into exile. I think that Tarantino might have enough pull and might understand Star Trek enough to do something good. But I think that those those like second and third reboot movies really just fucking really just had a hard time like finding a way to tell a Star Trek story that also had like mass appeal to a broad audience. I'm canon adjacent fatigued is what I am. <laughs> like, get away from it yeah. and tell new stories is, is what I would support right now. Like, be brave. Right. Like, it's almost gotten fetishized in Hollywood how much you have to hew to canon. And because they redesigned the Klingons a little bit in disco, they got completely fucking barbecued by a lot of the fans. And if we're going to get slightly different Klingons as a call to war for some of the fans like we're going to be stuck with reboots of the same shit for the rest of our lives you know yeah i don't want to live that way i don't either uh speaking of klingons uh, <laughs> one thing we talked about while we were on the road was uh, somebody posted in our facebook group a uh, photoshop of the disco klingons but with tng era hair photoshopped onto them this is really genius stuff. Yeah, I mean, like, the, the person that posted it, not the person that posted it in our group, but, like, the thing that they had screen grabbed had somebody being a real dick in the captions that I didn't appreciate, but uh, I thought the Photoshop stuff was genius, because it really does show how it's really mainly, like, nose and hair. Yeah, it's it's incredible how closely they look like any other Klingons, and it made me think about, like, I, I hope... Someday we get an image of of Michael Dorn with just the headpiece on, but no hair on the sides. Like, yeah. I wonder what he would look like if he just had the brow, right? The brow and forehead piece. Can somebody get a shot of him in chips and then like <laughs> use the? Because he had a close shaved head, right? In that, yeah. Did you ever watch Chips? Oh, I watch Chips all the time. Really big fan. Yeah, never never seen an app. Oh, it's so much fun. <laughs> we have been waiting for someone worthy of our attention. Who are you? Those Klingons? You were talking about before the show premiered, we got to see pictures of Klingons, and then everyone torched the show over these strange-looking Klingons. Right. And I think I'd like to talk a little bit about the intentionality or not of telegraphing that stuff ahead of a show. Right. Because I really wonder if those pictures were jangly keys before the <laughs> premiere to get people to talk about something that was not talking about show story, which is huh. the one thing you don't want people to talk about, right? Like, do you think that they accepted the criticism for that because it was functional in that way? Let me add to that that uh, bit of theorizing and say, do you think they 
knew that it was going to be controversial when the Klingons were revealed. So let's get that out of the way before the premiere so that by the time we get the premiere, we're talking about story and not redesigned Klingons. Yeah, I think that's as likely as anything else. Like in reading what happened at Vulture Fest and the paneling that happened and a lot of the messaging around it, uh, like a ton of the messaging is about you know, doubling down on diversity and female leads and all of the things that we really enjoyed about season one. Yeah. Things that we enjoyed about season one adjacent to the story that we liked about season one. Right. uh, Which I would argue is even more critical. And I think what I'm attempting to bring up, perhaps a little inarticulately, is that (laughs) no one wants to talk about story. Instead, we are talking about you know, doubling down on making Star Trek look diverse. And these are things that I'm proud of the show for doing, but like, this is not stuff I want to talk about, you know, like I would much rather, I would much rather have a story nugget here and get at that with my tweezers yeah, than have to read shitty comments about how that's not cool or the way Star Trek should be or to read a hundred think pieces about how great this is when it should be great without needing a think piece. I looked at the article that we read about the Vulture pa- Vulture Fest panel, and my takeaway was these are the things that you talk about when you can't talk about story. And, like, some of the stuff right. we talked about on the last episode um, led us to believe that, like, the story might not have even been beaten yet. They might not want to commit in public to something that isn't, like, a sure thing yet on the show. Right. And we also live in this culture of like, of like no spoilers ever, which I mean, like in the history of narrative is a pretty new thing that everybody's so radical about it. Like when Greeks went to plays, they were just seeing actors perform religious stories that they already knew the beginning, middle and end of, you know, Mm -hmm. there was never any expectation of being surprised by the outcome of a story. And that's not to say that people who want to be surprised and fresh or wrong. Like I certainly feel that way. And I don't like seeing a movie after seeing a trailer that has shown me a scene from the last act of the film. Like I hate when that happens, but also like people are so histrionic about it that it probably makes it really tough to wade into talking about what kind of, you know, even themes you might be exploring if you're on a writing staff. I want to be like super clear. My uh, straight white maleness is not in conflict with any of these matters. This is about like really looking forward to hearing more about story and that instead of story, it's anything else. Not that it's specifically about uh, about representation. That's that's yeah. not my point, you know. They could panel about anything else that wasn't right. about story, and I would I would still be complaining that we're not hearing anything about story. That's my point. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's what I heard you say, and yeah, I definitely think that like they should be proud of the diverse cast that they've got, and I'm glad that they're committed to like not resting on their laurels about that. Like I think yeah. that I think that is a great goal that the show has somebody to identify with no matter what walk of life you come from and right. 
if I had a criticism of season one on that note, it's that while there are a lot of different kinds of people on screen, we don't get to know many of the characters that well. And that's a bigger problem than having a homogenous cast. Like if you've got all these uh, different types of people, let's meet them. Let's get to know who they are. Like, let's get to know all those people on the bridge whose names I can't even remember because they don't have enough character yet. Yeah, I I completely agree. That's a great way to put it. And you look at a show like The Wire, so many characters from so many backgrounds, and yet they were they were really well drawn in a right. single season. It's possible. Let's just get David Simon in there. You know, <laughs> <laughs> he can write for anybody. Where's Wallace, Captain Lorca? Where's Wallace? <laughs> <laughs> A friend of the podcast, Bill Tilly, posted a picture of Star Trek Nemesis featuring Tom Hardy in his Picard makeup, and it was shocking how much he looked like Jason Isaacs Whoa! from that angle. It made me think about how much fun it would be to continue that Picard role <laughs> should Patrick Stewart uh, be reluctant to continue with an actor of Jason Isaacs' caliber. Right. Like, if Tom Hardy looks like Jason Isaacs, then by the transitive property, Jason <laughs> Isaacs looks like Sir Patrick Stewart. The uh, transitive property of Stewart is what you're describing. <laughs> yeah. I'm, it's like a real beautiful mind thing. I'm seeing, like, mm. the... Uh, <laughs> I'm seeing the thing on the whiteboard right now. Cascading lights in the middle of the room. <laughs> <laughs> That's three of the galaxy brain things right there, right? Yeah. Whoa. <laughs> well, Adam, do you want to see if we have any Priority One messages? Yeah, let's do. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on secured channel. Ben, this Priority One message comes from Amanda Langill, and it is for the warm honeyed bosom. The message goes like this. P8.2. Bosomites are the best mites. Love you all. There is no better corner of the interweb. Flower, flower, flower. <laughs> dive, dive, dive. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was a period behind every flower. I just chose to give each word a, a slightly different read. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm familiar with that technique of, uh, of rhetoric. Yeah. That's uh, that's Amanda Langell, uh, who is a familiar to those who cruise the uh, the greatest discovery and greatest generation uh, Facebook groups. I'm glad to have gotten a, a pronunciation guide on the on the last name. Yeah. Also wondering still what the warm honeyed bosom even is. <laughs> Are they even going to know what this means if binturongs don't factor into it? I don't know. I, I think you need a binturong to decipher the bosom. <laughs> it's like turning two keys on a submarine. Right. You need the the bosom key and the binturong key. Yeah. Otherwise, it, uh, the birds do not cross in the air and we do not get nuclear holocaust. <laughs> we do not. But what we do is get a priority one message if you are interested in us. Reading your message on our show, you can go to MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron, where personal messages are $100 and commercial messages are $200. Ben, there, the way this program gets made. True indeed, Adam. And uh, we're going to try and be on a more 
predictable schedule going forward. So, uh, you know, there's no like guarantees about when your <laughs> Jumbo Shrine gets read. And we really apologize to Amanda for how long it's taken us to get to this one. But mm-hmm. uh, we're hoping to fix that with this show soon. Agreed. I have tried so many meal services over the years. After all, I am a podcast host. And I gotta tell you, Factor Meals is my favorite. Why? Because I can go from, what am I gonna have for dinner, to eating a great dinner in exactly two minutes with Factor Meals. And don't sleep on their smoothies either. I got six of these in the box this week. Mango, tropical fruit, strawberry or banana. They're all amazing. They're like meal supplements I can enjoy while I'm on the go. Head to factormeals.com slash trek50 and use the code trek50 to get 50% off. Again, that's the code trek50 at factormeals.com slash trek50 to get 50% off. What do you think of when you think of male grooming? Maybe it's a sharp haircut and a little bit of product, or a bit of the old beard wax twisted into the ends of a mustache. Maybe it's a shower, a shave, a little spritz of fragrance. Me? I think of shaving my nuts. And not just my nuts, all around those nuts. I'm talking all around those nuts. And this form of male grooming is hard to do when your junk looks like a log of Play-Doh rolled through a dustpan in a barber shop. It's wrinkly, it's wriggly, nothing stays in place, and it's the one area where you don't want to have an accident. That's why I'm glad we're sponsored by the spring cleaning champions at Manscaped. They sent me their brand new lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. It's their fifth generation trimmer, featuring two interchangeable next-gen skin-safe blade heads, a standard one for taking a little bit off the top, and a new foil blade to go smooth wherever your heart desires. They also sent me an extra-large Manscaped t-shirt, which I will never wear, but it was nice of them to do. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code TREK at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code TREK at manscaped.com. Nothing like a little spring cleaning in your pants. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. (laughs) Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. Then what's bothering you? Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on! Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. 
Well, I think that about wraps it up on our end, Ben. Yeah, we'll leave the rest to Rob. Uh, I, I really like some of the suggestions we got from people about what we can do with the show going forward in this off season. One of my favorite suggestions was to read all of the Discovery comic books, which are apparently canon. And, oh, I'd be uh, into that. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm bad at reading comic books, but I would uh, I would try it for this show. Yeah, I would too. What do you say we get uh, we get the first disco, the first canonical disco book read before the next episode, and then we'll chat about it then. That sounds awesome. I am up for that. All right, deal. Take it away, Robs. The Greatest Discovery is a Maximum Fun podcast, hosted by Adam Pranica and Ben Harrison, and it's produced and edited by me, Rob Schulte. Our music is by Adam Ragusia. Head on over to MaximumFun.org to support the ongoing production of this show, or just leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. If you want to continue the conversation online, please use the hashtag GreatestDiscovery. You can find Ben on Twitter at BenjaminAHR, Adam is at CutForTime, and I'm at Rob K. Schulte. You can also join in the discussion over at the Greatest Gen subreddit or the Greatest Discovery group on Facebook. We'll see you next time. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.